0: Welcome to Growth Colony, Australia's B2B podcast. I'm Alex from X-Growth. Each episode, we bring you B2B founders, CMOs, marketing and sales leaders to find out what makes them successful and what was behind their failures, or as we like to call them, hard-learned lessons. If you enjoy the episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and share the pod with a friend you think could get value out of it. And of course, make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. That's enough from me though, let's dive right in.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode. I'm Shane Hoda with Xgrowth and today I'm talking to David Fisher, who describes himself as a sales guy who learned how to market. He's also a Sales Hall of Fame inductee, speaker, author, and coach. And today, we're talking about how marketers should collaborate with their sales team and turn them into brand advocates for the business on specifically LinkedIn. We're going to be talking and covering mistakes, processes, content tactics, and a lot more. So let's dive in. David, thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here.
1: I'm super pumped as well. This is, you know, the whole concept of social social selling combined with creating advocates in the sales team. I think it's a very interesting topic and one that a lot of people, I think a lot of companies get it right. They, oh, sorry, not, not, they don't get it right. They, they think it's important. Mm-hmm. Um either they they don't think it's important or they think it's important, but they don't get it right. So I'm really excited yeah. to talk about this and, and explore this. So but let's first talk uh, cover a question of why it's important. why you know, why this is a strategy that organizations need to need to think about.
2: Yeah, there, there's a couple key things we, I think we have to keep in mind here. When you think about, and I'm going to look at this from a sales perspective, when you think about what has happened with selling, even over the last 20 years, the, the arrival of the internet, the arrival of easy access to information has really changed the role of a salesperson, right? It, it used to be that the salesperson came to a, a prospect, a potential buyer, and basically said, hey, I've got the brochure, right? If you want to find out information, you have to come to me or else you have to you know, go through this very lengthy Uh, you know, investigative process, trying to find information. Now that the buyer can literally go to their phone and just, you know, Hey, I want to get the latest specs on this. I want to do some, some research into different competitors. It's, it's all right there for them. So from a sales perspective, we, we can't as a salesperson rely on information. We actually have to provide more value and more service to our prospects, you know, this, you hear this a lot: bring value to the to the, the the prospect, to the buyer. What that really, I think, boils down to, because value is super, you know, wishy washy, word What does it really mean? It's really helping them make better decisions faster, more easily, with less risk. And why I start by saying saying that is because if you're then in a sales organization, you have to prepare your salespeople not just to be like, hey, you're gonna you know, bang the uh, phone, cold call, just hope to get in front of somebody at the time that they need some information that doesn't work anymore. It has to be, we've got to put you out there and help you become a, a true resource for your network of prospects so that when they are in their buying uh, journey, when they do need to get some information and insights, you're the person that they go for. And so that's why, and by the way, as you described that, it sounds a lot like marketing, right? And and so that's that's why this is then bleeding into the idea of, you know, salespeople have to learn some of these marketer skills. And conversely, you know, bottom of the page, marketers have to learn some of these sales skills too. But that, that bifurcation, that siloing that we used to see that was so common just isn't as effective as it was maybe 10, 20 years ago.
1: Got it. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense why it's important. Okay,
2: good. I'm glad it makes sense to one of
1: us. (laughs) 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 the why organizations should be focusing on this. But I also feel like in a lot of situations, marketers, they're like, okay, cool, I get this. And they want to take it to the sales team and, you know, trying to get buy-in from sales team and then sales <laughs> team is like, here we go again. This is the new color of the month. Marketing is <laughs> right, back right. at it with a new thing they have. What is the right approach? How, you know, in your experience, how should yeah. marketer approach the sales team to kind of get that buy-in to get them active on, on LinkedIn and so on and so forth?
2: Well, and, and that really is the question that I think organizations need to ask, especially marketing organizations need to ask, and then to answer, because this, it's always blown my mind. I came up in sales from a very not in a very non-corporate environment. You know, I was in direct sales out in the field. And so when I started really working with uh, organizations, it actually blew my mind that marketing and sales don't get along, right? I was because I'm like, wait, you guys are doing the same, like, everybody's got the same job here, you know, get more, more business. Why? Why is there such a this? And it's not even like, they fight. It's like siblings, right? Just nitpicking at each other and yeah, rolling their eyes. And I'm not going to listen to what my my brother tells me to do, or I'm not going to listen to my sister. And it's the same thing in in organizations. I think that for marketers, a couple of things that are really key to getting sales team buy-in. First of all, it's really important that when you're going to your sales team, I think for anything, you put it in context of helping a, a salesperson make more sales. right? And that might sound pretty obvious, but marketers actually often come in and go, hey, we I'll use CRMs as an example. Let's have this really fancy CRM uh, 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 platform that's going to capture all of this data about uh, drip campaigns and touch points. And, gra- and, and salespeople often end up not using those CRMs because they're like, hey, I'm just trying to make sales. And this is collecting data for somebody else that's not helping me get in front of people that I want to talk to, have a, have conversations with them and move them towards a buying decision. So if you're a marketer and can walk in and say, hey, I want to help you m- make more money. I want to help you hit your quota. I want to help you talk to more of the people that you want to talk to and have better conversations and supply them with better insights so that you can close easier and faster. All of a sudden the salespeople don't want to go, hey, I'm all ears, right? So it's it's kind of getting that getting the buy-in is actually making it about them, which is pretty rare, right? And so I think that's the first first part. The second is uh, understanding what a salesperson is actually going through. One of the biggest things I think a marketer could do to really get buy-in from their salespeople, go hang out with them. Go hang out with you, Ask one of the, your salespeople, say, hey, can I shadow you for a day? You know, Right now, that means a lot of like, hey, can I sit in on your Zoom calls? But that also makes it so much easier to say, hey, can I actually listen into what your conversations, your discovery calls, your value building? Can I actually see what it's like to sit in a room with two or three uh, stakeholders and decision makers? and hear what it's like to not only get all the questions that you're being asked, but also see what you have to do to try to move that, that conversation forward. That will be very eye opening because for right or wrong, I think a lot of times salespeople will often go, hey, you don't know what it's like to have quota hanging over you. You don't know what it's like to have that stress of going in and talking to you know, the VP of X that I'm trying to close and I've got my manager and my VP of sales on my back. And, and the, so when you can go in and actually just watch and, and listen and learn and then be able to say to that salesperson, hey, I get what you're you're managing, I get what you're dealing with. First of all, just on a human level, the salesperson goes, Cool, I'm being heard. But then it allows you to go back and go, okay, now I can give you some ammunition. I can give you content. I can give you LinkedIn posts or blog articles or podcasts or white papers that are actually keyed into what your prospects need to know. Oh my gosh, that's when you get by and that's when that salesperson is going, "Hey, give me more stuff because it's great and it's helping me." Uh that was a bit of a rant, but I think it's really important because a lot of the disconnect happens well before marketing shows up with some content for LinkedIn, right? It's it's the it's the foundation that is being set or that is not being set.
1: Yeah, and where where have you seen marketers go wrong like right you talked about how to kind of approach it what have you seen marketers do that backfires or it just doesn't work
0: you
2: you you actually mentioned it flavor flavor of the month where 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 it goes wrong is hey everybody you know the vp of marketing or the director of marketing depending on the size of the organization comes in and goes hey we're going to really get on social selling now because it's hot and it's really important. So we've, we've had a big ad spend. We just put a bunch of money into uh LinkedIn ads or, or whatever the platform is. And you know what? We've got all this content that we've created that we think is really important. That's in alignment with, and not, this is subtext of course, but it's basically like, we think that this is what's important and we put it together. And so we're going to send it, you know, send it out to you or, you know, hey, we're gonna put it on our company page, and we just want we want to make sure that you uh, like it and comment on it, and just right, and just do do everything to spread that. And that's all. That's I mean, that's it. That's like ten minutes at the you know beginning of quarter sales meeting, versus and that, and that, there's no buy-in, right? Because of course the salespeople are like, well, they're gonna care about this until next sales meeting. We're gonna hear something totally different, and they, you know, the sales team has. Not only No buy in, they've been given no direction, no coaching, no understanding of why this helps them, this helps the organization. You know, depending on the size, depending on the age, let's say, of your sales team, there's probably a lot of pushback just on social if they're a little older and they're like, Yeah, whatever, this is this, this, this social selling is BS, whatever. Or conversely, and this has happened a lot in the last 18 months, people are freaked out. Cause all of a sudden they, if it was a, a field sales team, now they can't go out. And so they are on LinkedIn, but they, they're like, Hey, I keep, you know, inviting people into my network and then pitching them right away. And it's not working, but nobody's taught me anything else. So I'm going to keep doing it. That that's where th- the challenge lies, right? You need, as my friend, Steve Watts says, you need uh mindset tool set or mindset, skill set, tool set. And in that order, and I'd say it's in that order. You got to get the mindset right. Then you give the, everybody the skills and then the tools. And it's usually reverse, right? Hey, here's here's some content. Go use it. And that's the big mistake that I see organizations make.
1: Gotta love, gotta love a quote from Steve. <laughs> uh, now, nah, but uh, okay, let's. Um, I want to I want to talk about process. Let Let's say we have the um, we have the uh, the kind of mindset. Sorry, we have the buy-in from the sales. Mm-hmm. I know you you talk quite a lot about the process that marketers should should put in place, especially yeah. from a content creation perspective. Tell us a little bit about that. What what what, what do you mean by that and what does that look like?
2: Yeah, I, I do think that it's can be very challenging because a lot of times marketing puts together content in a vacuum. And that's not always a bad thing from a marketing standpoint, right? They're just like, hey, we did some. A B testing and we're trying to approach certain buyer persona. We've we've got some larger strategic objectives. But if they if you just go to your sales team and say, hey, use this content because we think it's going to hit our goals, again, there's not as much buy-in. The process I would would very tactically suggest is a shared meeting. I think about every two to three weeks uh, is right. Not every week that's overkill. Every like once a month isn't enough and literally take a couple of marketers who are going to be kind of spearheading the creation of content and not the whole sales team and not even like the top salespeople, but the ones who are really bought in, get like two, three, four of them together. The ones who are like, Hey, I want to use social. I want to be in front of people, you know, and, and I'm talking a lot of prospects and customers. You take these two groups. So there's probably between three and five people in the room, maybe up to six or seven at most. And you literally have this meeting where this, the the marketing team interviews the salespeople, and there's a number of different questions you can use, but it can be as simple as what are uh, what are the objections that you're getting a lot right now? What are the discovery questions that are the most relevant right now in your conversations? What are uh, what are your prospects or clients? Because you're talking to the people that you know. Have bought or maybe we'll buy our product or service. What are they saying is the reason that they are buying or that they have bought or that they're not? Right. Basically, what what the the marketing team are doing is interviewing the sales team and go, tell us what our customers are actually thinking, feeling, what are their hopes, dreams, right? Aspirations, pain points, challenges. And it's a very immediate feedback loop, right? You're not going to focus group, you're talking to to Jill, who was just on a discovery call with, with a prospect. And that prospect was like, well, actually your competitor just told us about this other feature that they have and that you don't. And that's actually important to us, right? What Whatever it is. I, I mean, there's so many different things that could come up, but what that marketing team can then walk out of that room with is like, hey, we need to help our salespeople answer, you know, this question at the beginning of the, the funnel, at the top of the, you know, the, the top of the funnel. So right when they're trying to get interest, you know, here's the two or three real challenges that prospects are are dealing with. So that if we can give our sales team content that answers that question, that positions them with some level of expertise. That there's your middle of the funnel content that they can be sharing. And hey, you know, the the sales people are saying that the people the reason that people are buying right now is because of X, Y, Z. Holy cow, we've got a bunch of case studies. From the last five years, that all around that okay, we need to chop that up, package it up, so our salespeople can then send that out, whether it's on LinkedIn or in a um, an email, that's kind of kind of you know the 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 final chop of the axe to knock the tree down like that. That's that that support that they need, so they have that information. They then they can go and create content, whether whatever, our blog articles, LinkedIn posts, video, podcast, all of that stuff, but it. What's important here is now that they have another meeting. Let's say it's three weeks later. At that meeting, they can be like, hey, here we create the content that you know you can share. Here's why we created. It. Here's you know what we're trying to support with you. Sales team is like, oh, that's great. This is I, I basically told you to write this and you wrote it for me. Okay, of course I'm gonna go share this. You don't have to convince me. All right, this is my customer. This is my awesome. But they have that that question time again, like, hey, what's what are people saying now? It's three weeks later. Is there something relevant in the the industry that's changed? It's a different time of year, whatever. You keep doing that, and then you also get this virtuous cycle. Hey, you shared the, that content. How'd it go? Did people engage with it? Were you getting comments? Were you getting likes? Were, was it crickets, right? And that, you know, again, we kind of did it in brief, but it's it's really just about having that shared time and 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 that conversation back and forth on both sides. I found that sales let's call them revenue producing organizations with sales and marketing involved the ones that are doing this right kind of naturally what often happens is that the leader in sales and leader in marketing are friends right not friendly most but like are you know generally like they get along they they cuz that naturally makes them spend time and their teams naturally spend time together but here's the thing you you can't just hope you know your VP of sales and CMO like each other. You've got you've got to engineer a, a process that hey, we're getting these teams together. That's that's i think a process that works well and I've seen it work well.
1: Got it. Got it. So so that's from the process, uh, process perspective of, you know, creating that system, having that cadence with the sales team and having the conversation building kind of mm-hmm. content from from uh, from that perspective. Is there any specific areas that marketers need to think about in order to craft the right language for social? Mm-hmm. Or is it really, you know,
0: oh, Hey, we do
1: mark, yeah, you know, we do mark, it's the same thing. Uh, let's just do some stuff for a for LinkedIn and pass it on to sales. Is the language and the crafting of the right language uh, an important factor?
2: I think it is. I think that's, that's a really astute question. One of the biggest suggestions I would make for marketers is actually to get active on LinkedIn uh, and, and any other social platforms that they want their salespeople to, but actually be active, post a couple times a week and, and, not, and not for the organization, for themselves, right? Even if they th- think, well, I'm not customer-facing, whatever, uh, the exercise of having to craft their own messaging and share their own personal brand and find out how to get that kind of genuine voice in We'll do so much to go, oh, this is what, you know, I didn't know, I didn't know how to craft this post or I knew I wanted to say this, but it, I I struggled a little bit. Oh, that's what our salespeople are running into. And oh, by the way, I'm a professional writer. They're not. Okay. So, so right. I've now have some empathy for the process because I'm always blown away. Like when I go work with a client organization and their marketing team's like, yeah, we're really, we're super excited to get the salespeople on, on social. I, we can't wait to get them on LinkedIn. And then I look at all their marketers and none of them are on LinkedIn ever. And I'm like, there's a disconnect there. You know, telling people to do what you say, but not what you're doing is tough. Th- that being said, and I kind of touched on a little bit in that example, there's a, I don't want to say a casualness that needs to come through in social more, a humanness. I, I think most of us have read so much marketing copy just because we're marketed to that we can read a post on LinkedIn and go, oh, this was not written by this person, right? It's it's, it's really bad when you actually know the person kind of and you're like, that doesn't sound like you at all, (laughs) right? And I don't think that means that marketers have to try to write for the personality of every single person on their sales team. But I do think there's value in going, let's be human. Let's understand that when, for example, we're posting on LinkedIn, we're part of a conversation that's happening this 750 million person networking event. So if i come with this really stilted marketing jargony heavy you know post, nobody's going to go like, "Oh wow, that's super insightful." They're going to freaking ignore it because again, we can see that a mile away. So don't don't be afraid of putting that humanness in it that you know, i used the word empathy before, but in the end, the more you can create that empathetic connection, that human connection with somebody who's reading your content, the more effective it's going to be. So I think that's the other big thing I call it being social ready, right? So a lot of times I'll talk to the marketing team. I'll say, okay, give me your copy, and then it's and it's not a huge shift, but it's it's making it social ready, which means it's something that we would actually say in a human conversation.
1: Yeah, something that I love you putting it that way. Something that you actually say is uh, I feel like a lot of marketers approach it from. Okay, we wrote this white paper, and now we're gonna do some LinkedIn copy. And uh, you know, it's just so many factors that I sometimes feel like it's missed from the mobile perspective and the mobile usage. And I'm like, you know, you got these solid paragraphs in there that someone on mobile it's gonna look like a whole page of text. Nobody's yeah. gonna read that. They'll have to look <laughs> at it and be like, no, oh the, my I, goodness. I I
2: yeah, I have conversations with with Marketers is like sometimes a lot, a lot of times I'll work with clients where I'll actually work and coach their their top leaders, their executives, you know, across the board like sales, marketing, etc. But it's funny because like marketers, they always are good writers, but I have to kind of do exactly what you said, which is beat out the marketing copy tendency. I'm like, recently I had a client where they had just done a full web page redesign, right? Like they did their whole site. And it's funny because I had to beat out the and I should that makes it sound much more aggressive. I had to gently suggest that maybe they shouldn't be as keyword focused in their LinkedIn copy, right? Because they were they had for months been going like, hey, we need to like we're doing web page copy, which is super keyword intensive and every, you know, sentence has to be exact, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, but human beings don't talk in keywords. <laughs> right. And so be like, yeah, let's again, make it more like me and you having a conversation. So, but but even having that awareness is, is a big step in the right direction.
1: Yeah. I, I would imagine that was uh, that was some, some strange LinkedIn copy I would come out it's like you got to mention this keyword five times in this post yeah. and uh, <laughs> that is uh that is going to be a ding 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 ding
2: ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Making.
1: yeah yeah exactly Dave I have a couple of rapid fire questions that I want to ask you sure but before we kind of get to that you know is there anything that maybe I didn't ask or we didn't cover when it comes to, you know, this alignment with sales uh, and, and enabling sales to become these uh, these ambassadors or brand ambassadors for a company? Yeah. Is there something I, I kind of missed or I didn't cover that you think it's important for us to touch on?
2: And by the way, I call them sales Sherpas. I like your ambassador concept, but yeah, I call them Sherpas, right? The guide oh, up the mountain for our prospects. So uh, I think you have to be that a sales brings back that
1: that bring up memories there. from Nepal, but uh, yeah. I love it. Oh, nice. I love it. Yeah.
2: You know, I think the only thing here that's really important to understand for both the marketing and sales side is that moving forward, I really feel that salespeople are going to become more like marketers. And salespeople are so marketers are going to become more like salespeople to be successful, you know, in the next five to 10 years. Let's say you have to embrace that convergence. There was this, they, they diverged and went into their little silos about 20 years ago. But because of technology, you can't just be like, I'm a salesperson, I'm not going to think about marketing and vice versa. So th- this is being driven by forces well beyond us, right? As individuals, it mm-hmm. is be you know what a salesperson is for example in 10 years is going to be vastly different than what it was 10 years ago so you know this this evolution and this change this transformation can be challenging but it's 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 one of those things if you don't like was obsoles- if you don't like change you're gonna like obsolescence even less so you know it, you you, you got to keep your eyes open for this one and your mind open
1: i love it i love it okay let's do some rapid fire questions shall we let's do it okay now I, I know I know you 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 just published two books right Yes and I want to come back to this and, and touch on touch on the two and you can't mention them here because okay. my next question okay. is about resources and books Um yeah. uh, so so the first question I want to ask you is is what is one resource It could be a book, a blog, podcast, talk, whatever it is that has fundamentally changed the way you you work or live
2: Yeah very early in my career uh, I read a book which has nothing to do with sales or business It's called The Four Agreements. Uh, it was written by a guy named Don Miguel Ruiz. It's a little out there in some parts of it. It was a, it was an Oprah book, but it it inherently affected how I view myself and my interactions with other human beings. And looking back, it actually changed the path of my life. So the four agreements, again, you, you can kind of you know ignore some of the the little more esoteric parts of it, but those four agreements were super huge. And so I, I, it's an easy read. Highly recommend
1: it. Thank you very much for that. And and what about your own books? Let's touch on that as well. Um, so you, 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 you know, once we, once we pass this, the, 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 question, uh, about somebody else's book, I, I also love to hear about, you know, what did you, what did you just write about? And, and what, what are the books about?
2: Yeah, so I've I've written way too many books, but the two that just came out were updated editions of my book Networking in the Twenty First Century: Why Your Network Sucks and What to Do About It, and then I did actually a third edition of Networking in the Twenty First Century on LinkedIn, and uh, they were really driven by the pandemic. You know, a lot I was really looking at what is. Networking and relationship building look like in a post-pandemic world. Post-pandemic, by the way, not meaning the pandemic's done, just after March, you know, 2020, when at least here in the United States, you know, life changed, right? And it's not going to go back to that new normal. And I think that, you know, yes, the in-person went away for a long time. Hopefully it's coming back a little bit. But I really wanted to look at how do we use both online and offline tools to build relationships. Uh, we were talking about the idea of being a sales sherpa but really kind of uh, adopting a new approach to business development in a world with a ton of technology that's replacing some of the automated stuff that we used to do you know how do we provide value for our our prospects and customers and just our network in general because i i have seen in my own career um, both for myself and for many of the people i know the 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 people that you know your network does have a dramatic impact on your business and so i wanted to make sure that you know i was really addressing a lot of the questions and concerns that people have right now which are super valid what happens when you can't go to a networking event and you've been stuck at home just doing zoom calls for a year
1: that's right man that's right this camera is on all the time at my end <laughs> and uh it's so important to know how to how to leverage it properly now that's mm-hmm. that's awesome and and we'll definitely uh we'll definitely add links to them in the, uh, in the description question number 2 i have is what if you could give one advice to B2B marketers, what would it be?
2: Your customers and prospects, the people you're trying to sell to, are human beings. Treat them as human beings. And the more you keep that in mind, not only is that better for the world, but the more effective you'll be.
1: Question number three, who are some of the influencers in the marketing and sales space that that you follow?
2: Andy Crestedina is a good friend of mine from here in the Chicago area in the States, and um, if if you want to talk about content marketing he is the man the myth the legend and uh love him to death uh he's a close friend of mine he's so he's a great person outside of the business world great in the business world i love ann hanley who's uh known by many people in the content marketing and writing world she's fantastic i would definitely check out her material see here's the thing you asked me to recommend people that i'm just going to forget everybody and then feel really bad afterwards and go like, Oh, here's the 19 other people that, but, but I'm so I'm just gonna say with those two, because I think, you know, I, the, they're, they're ones that I go to regularly and, and I'm influenced by quite a bit.
1: That's awesome. Last thing is what is something that you're excited about in the B2B space today?
2: What I'm excited about is also what's terrifying is the last 18 months have cause a lot of uncertainty. I think we're still living in a lot of uncertainty. I think uh some challenges in the way that we do business and the way we do life. Not only again I'm here in the states, but I think globally as we we've we've seen some of the 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 holes in the in the system so to speak. I think that means there's a ton of opportunity. I think that, you know, there's my my I have a 2-year-old son. I think he will be growing up in a vastly different world than I grew up in. That's scary as heck. But that's also exciting, you know. And I think there's the opportunity for for us as organizations to, you know, who are, you know, if we're in a business talking to another business. We're people that are trying to influence the direction. I say sales is a creative endeavor where you're trying to create opportunities in something that didn't exist before. That's that's super exciting to me, and it's be- it's better than just sitting at home being freaked out. <laughs> Which happens every once that, in a while. That too, one is right?
1: <laughs> it does. It does happen. Maybe sometimes too often than you'd like to admit. No, I, I really appreciate it. Look, David, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for uh, for coming on the uh, on on the podcast, and really appreciate you sharing all the insights. Hey, I enjoy this conversation immensely,
2: and I'm so glad you invited me to talk to you.
0: Cheers. Thank you so much, David. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode. If you enjoyed it, please consider leaving us that five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and sharing the pod with a friend. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please make sure to join the community Slack channel at growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. growthcolony.org forward slash Slack. Thanks again for all the support. And we're looking forward to seeing you again in the next one.